Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us. But truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. You know, time flies. I mean, it just straight up flies. I cannot believe where we are already on this calendar year. Um, It just seems to have been uh, flying by me. Amy and I are in a new season with our children. You know, they're still our babies to us, but uh, Alicia's an adult, um, and Landon is an emancipated minor with a driver's license, a job, and a social life. And so, you know, we realize we're in a different phase of life, and it's just amazing. Some of you have uh, young children, and um, I know you get sick of, you know, middle-aged and older people saying, man, it goes by quick, make the most of it. But it really, really does. And um, if I could turn back the clock, I'd do several things differently with uh, my daughter and my son. But you can't turn back the clock, and um, I, I recognize that time is probably the most precious gift that God gives to us. And so um, we're, Amy and I are fixated right now on making the most of the second halves of our lives. We're actually crossed over that second half. Unless I live to be 102, I'm well past my, my, um, my middle marker in my earthly years. And I, I just want to, however many years I've got left, man, if I've got 40, if I've got 30, if I've got 20, I've got five, I just want to go down in, um, you know, uh, an intentional commitment of using my my time wisely and part of that is kind of behind why I do this podcast it's why we um, continue to uh, produce material for transforming truth it's why I'm a pastor uh, at the church at Winder it's why I preach at the North Georgia Revival it's why I mentor and pour into young people in our home about once a month it's why I write and really starting to feel the itch to write my second book. And there's there's a reason behind all of this. It is because, um, frankly, not for my glory, but for the glory of my king, I want my life to matter. I mean, it's really that simple for me. I want my life to count for something. I don't want to be just a dude that lived on earth and, you know, did his 80 years and then whoop, he's gone. I, I want my life to count. I want it. I want to leave my kids something. I want to leave something in the kingdom that betters those coming behind me. And so one of the things Amy and I really feel strongly about is pouring into uh, 20-somethings. Not just 20-somethings, but it could be 30-somethings, 40-somethings, but the generation coming behind us. And we found uh, that God has opened a door in the last year with um, young people in their 20s. And um, what a hungry generation. They have zero appetite for religious nonsense. They are smart enough not to just be lied to and accepted as the religious norm of the culture and their parents' generation. This generation asks a ton of questions and expects true answers. Man, I love that because it takes down any need to perform um, that temptation for a pastor or a leader to perform. Um, when somebody looks you in the eye and says, hey, knock off all the starch. I just want to know what's right. That's right up my alley. So I love that. Um So we interact with a lot of people that are younger than us, and I see a lot of uh, great potential in so many of these 20-somethings that uh, our lives are connected with. Um, We see those that want to be husbands and wives and parents in a way that honors the Lord. They're very serious about how they raise their children or how they're going to raise their future children. 
we minister to a ton of un, uh, not yet married people, single people. And they're asking questions about, hey, you know, how do I pursue a spouse? How do I know it's the right one? And how do I become the right kind of spouse? And, uh, and then we've got a lot of young people that are really eager to know why they're in the kingdom from the, uh, from the aspect of ministry. What am I supposed to be doing? What has God called me to do? What has God equipped me to do? What are these gifts that I have and how do I best use them and where do I use them and when do I use them? And so I want to, I want to touch on that a little bit in today's episode of Mavericks and Misfits. Always a reminder, if you are blessed and a frequent listener to this podcast, you, you can help me. I don't ask for anything other than you to do this. Take 60 seconds of your time and give us a rating and a review wherever you listen to this podcast, iTunes, Spotify, um, wherever you listen to it, just give us a rating and review. Let people know about it. It helps us to reach more people. Um, the folks at Charisma Podcast Network who uh, faci- uh, disseminate this podcast, they let us know that um, about 3,500 people or so are listening to it in 140 countries. And, you know, we've been doing this about nine months. And so I, I know it's resonating with people, and that lets me know it'll resonate with more people if you'll help me get the word out. And believe me, I'm well over myself. I'm not trying to make a name for myself. I'm 51. I've been on TV since 2007. I've been in the public eye. I don't need a, an audience. I'm not looking for a raw rock corner. But what I am trying to do is help as many people as possible. And so you can help me to do that. But what about this aspect of young people looking for their calling? Um, what I found is this, man, it's just like I was when I, I got started in ministry. Literally, I was called to preach uh, before I was 25 years old. It was four months after I was saved at the age of 24. God called me to preach. I began preaching um, immediately. So I was preaching at the age of 24, 25, 26. And I have to look back on that time. I have to confess something. I thought I was smarter and a little more tuned in than men and women that have been in ministry for you know, longer than I'd been alive. I felt like they were old. They were in the way they had lost their edge. They had lost their zeal. They weren't as nearly as fired up as I was. And like I had one gear and it was full throttle. I didn't know much. I didn't have, had very little wisdom, but I had a calling. I had a lot of zeal and I had opportunity. And so that in me produced a low level of arrogance that I wasn't even aware of because I was on my face. I was praying. It was just kind of like me and God against the world. And that bred a certain distance and arrogance. And if I look back, maybe I can't be positive, but maybe even a little bit of a superiority complex, like they didn't have the wisdom I had. They didn't have the insight I had. They certainly didn't have the zeal I had and they weren't bearing the fruit that I was bearing. And it wasn't all the time, but it was kind of in the mix. And so it was, it's very typical for young people who um, have got a little revelation, have got a calling, and they start thinking that they're a little bit distinct from everybody else and that everybody else needs what they have. And I, I, I've seen this um, breed, especially in some young guys that I know. It, it breeds in them um, an unhealthy edginess that comes across as quite frankly anger because they're seeing what is wrong and they have like a a little prophetic edge to them and they see what's wrong and and they want they want to address it they want to expose it they want to call it out it's kind of like they got a little bit of Moses a little bit of Elijah in them a little bit of Nehemiah a little bit of uh you know, Isaiah in them, a little bit of John the Baptist, 
a little bit of the Apostle Paul who was known to get in a few faces. Hey, let's just be honest, a little bit of Jesus because Jesus flipped over some tables and really, really saved his harshest words for the religious establishment. And so these young guys and a handful of young girls, they, they've got this kind of vibe, this current running in, in their veins, um, but it's not breeding in them what they think it is. Um, they're clear. Everybody knows where they stand, but they're not making an impact because they can't adjust how they do what they do. They're certain about what they're supposed to do, but they're immature in how they're supposed to get it done. And I don't mean that to be insulting at all. I already told you I was immature. It's just a mark of being young and full of zeal. You have zeal and you might, you have good content. You have some discernment, but you don't have the practicality of knowing how to influence and lead people for the glory of Jesus in the very thing that you're seeing. And my attitude back in the day was, is, Oh man. Yeah. Jeff, like if I, if I was the younger me listening to what I'm saying right now, I would have just said, nah, Jeff, you're just another one of those dudes, man, who's gone soft. Just another one of those guys who lost his edge and he's just kind of a cream puff as he hits towards those retirement years. I would have, I would have judged, the younger me would have judged the, the current me. And the fact of the matter is that younger me would have been foolish in doing so because I haven't lost my edge a bit. I've just learned people. When you're younger in ministry and you're younger in your calling, you get the God part. You get it. You hear from the Lord. You you hear from God. And you've got the message and you've got some discernment. And you've got the word of the Lord and you've got the fire in your bones. That part of it's not hard because God put that in you. You didn't go get that. God brought that to you. So you can't take any credit for you. But God, if you see anything and you know anything in the kingdom, it's because the Holy Spirit revealed it to you. Not because you're super special, not because you're smarter than anybody else, but because the Holy Spirit revealed it to you. And so that part of it's easy. When God opens your eyes, your eyes are open. The hard part is how do you go to the people that God wants to benefit from what he's shown you? He wants some people to actually benefit from, to be blessed, to be helped. And sometimes that may just be rebuked, but most of the time it's not just a rebuke. I mean, any angry person can throw out a rebuke and it might look spiritual for a moment, but you got to test the content of it. And so God wants to take these callings and these giftings that he's given people and he actually wants to refine them because God doesn't need our help. People need our help. That's right. You heard me. God doesn't need you. God does not need Jeff Lyle. God doesn't need this podcast. He doesn't need my pastorate. He doesn't need my book. He doesn't need anything from me. He wants to bless through me into the lives of other people. And he wants to bless through you. But you have to learn how to be how. It's the how part, not the what. It's the how. How do I release what God has shown me in such a way that people can receive it, digest it, and and process what the Lord has given me to give to them? Let me give you some Bible, because I'm a Bible dude. If you listen to Mavericks and Misfits, or if you're familiar with our umbrella ministry, Transforming Truth. By the way, you can always go to transformingtruth.org. There's tons of material on that parent website, videos, book links, social media links, all that stuff's on transformingtruth.org. But um, the, the thing that I've learned is that I can have all the content in the world. It could be holy. It can be right. It can be from the Lord. 
But if I don't have the wisdom, the humility, and most importantly, the love, the love, the love, the love, the love for the people to whom I am sent. If I don't have that, then I'm cutting myself off from my purpose because all I am is a, is a messenger. And God can make the rocks cry out, but the rocks can't minister to people because people don't receive from rocks. So I have to be something more than just a message. I actually have to be a human connecting with another human for the glory of God in a manner that is consistent with the heart of God. And so we have to think about how we release what God has given us. So stay with me on this. And let me just give you a couple of verses. And this may be for a particular brand of young person, not even young. I mean, you might be 55 years old and listening to this, but listen to these words that, that arrested my attention back in the 1990s. Cause when I, when my specialty was just to rock into a place, blow up, deliver the word of the Lord, pour out the fire and then leave. And I felt very satisfied that I had delivered the word of the Lord. And meanwhile, there's a wake of shrapnel and you know, dead bodies behind me. Cause all I did was deliver the fire, but I didn't care for the people. Then this verse uh, cap- captured my attention. It's from 2 Timothy chapter number 2. In 2 Timothy chapter number 2, listen to this. Verse 23. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversy. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after having been captured by him to do his will. Did you get that? Young prophets, hear me. Um, old prophets hear me, people that deliver the fire and you're all about the fire and you're all about the word of the Lord. And listen, all of that's good, but not, not apart from the word of God's instruction that says the servant of the Lord must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone. Now just stop right there because if you've got the fire of God and you've got the message of God, and you've got a call from God, then this has to be part of the heart of God. That the Bible says, I cannot live with my primary attribute as being one who stirs up controversy. Foolish, ignorant controversy that breeds quarreling. In other words, it's not spiritual to throw a verbal grenade and watch who it it sends shrapnel into. It's not spiritual. It's not of the Lord. Because the Bible says the Lord's servant cannot, must not be, it's, a, it's prohibited, it's forbidden, that our primary um, mode of ministry, our primary spirit that we carry is a quarrelsome spirit. And so the word of God tells me, it tells you too, that we must be kind to everybody. And then it says, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. Now watch this. Kind to everyone, able to teach, and patient is the opposite of having a word from the Lord, throwing it out there, condemning what's wrong and inciting, you know, a little argument, exposing, indicting, and just, ah, this is what's wrong with the church. This is what's wrong with you. This is what's wrong with our government. This is what's wrong with people. This is what's wrong. 
If your primary ministry and people, just ask the people around you, hey, what do you think about my ministry? What do you think about how I'm communicating with my life? If people are telling you, yeah, you're always pointing out what's wrong, then you're not there yet. You're immature, or at the very least, you're incomplete. Maybe you're pursuing maturity, but you are not there yet. Why? Because the Bible is very clear that the opposite of that, that stirring up controversy, that indicting, that throwing out the verbal grenades on social media or in your you know, prophetic ministry or challenging somebody, you, you can't be quarrelsome. But you actually have the God-ordained responsibility, and you're accountable for it, to be kind. That's what the Bible says, man. That's not some softy's opinion. That's what the Bible says. And it says kind to everybody. And then you have to be able to teach them. Now, the able to teach connects with what's said in 20, uh, verse 25 that says that, that God can perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. So it's not enough to give the prophetic ha- headline, you are wrong, this is wrong, this is bad, this is not what it should be, the church is this, the church is that. Listen, it didn't, anybody can point out what's wrong. Good night alive. What the Bible says is, no, the servant of the Lord operates in a kindness and he, he or she is able to teach why it's wrong. And they do so in kindness and they patiently endure the evil. In other words, they accept the fact that it's going to be pushed back upon. It's not going to be liked. You know, the louder you are, the less confident you are. A lot of people hide behind these brave little social media flares, and they're really just operating in a spirit of fear because they're afraid to get into an actual uh, discussion with somebody who might point out that they're wrong. So they isolate, they move away from, um, they move away from the opportunities to, to be challenged, um, to be taught, to be discipled, to be corrected. And they don't know how to they don't know how to receive gentle, kind teaching, and they will not patiently endure evil. And by the way, it says verse twenty five, correcting your opponents with gentleness. That that literally is the Bible. So that's God's word. Hey, he doesn't say don't correct. Matter of fact, he says you are to correct. But you're not supposed to do it in a quarrelsome spirit that is unkind. And you're not supposed to seek to correct without the ability or the willingness to teach people what you're correcting them on. So don't just say the what. You have to be able to be biblically informed to tell them why they're wrong. And then you patiently endure what's called evil here. It's that falling short. You have to patiently endure it. And you correct your opponents with gentleness. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Show me somebody who, who is inconsistent in gentleness. I'll show you somebody that's not ready to be a servant of the Lord. So again, the Bible's not soft. It doesn't say, oh no, if you love somebody, you never correct them. No, as a matter of fact, it says you do correct them, but it's how you correct them. And it is in the how. If you do it the right way, if you're not quarrelsome, if you are kind, if you are willing and able to teach, if you will patiently endure what's wrong, then you will correct them with gentleness. And it is then that the Bible says God can grant them repentance that leads to a knowledge of the truth. And by the way, verse 26 of Second Timothy 2 is even stronger. It says that they'll come to their senses. They'll come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil after having been captured by him to do his will. Do you see that? So why am I saying all of this? 
because I want to see a generation of prophets rise up. I want to see among young millennials and millennials and Gen Zers, I want to see prophets. I'm actually praying for that. I'm praying that God will reestablish a pure and holy prophetic voice in this generation. Um, if they outlaw our Bibles, then we need prophets that are filled with the scriptures. We need prophets that are operating in the spirit of Jesus. And unfortunately, some people find something that works with their personality. In other words, because I'm kind of a bold declarative dude. That's just who I am in the natural. And so I see in the Bible, oh wait, Elijah was bold and declarative. And John the Baptist was bold and declarative. And Amos was bold and declarative. And Nahum and Nehemiah and Moses, they were bold and declarative. I'm just going to be just like them. And so I take those aspects of their ministries and I give myself permission to operate in an incomplete manner of serving the Lord. It's one-sided. It's not holistic. It's not complete. And then when I came across passages like this, my attention was arrested. I'm like, oh, I'm not that guy. This was back in, you know, when I was in my mid to late 20s. I'm like, oh, I'm the Lord's servant, but I'm kind of quarrelsome. And I'm not really kind to everyone. I was able to teach. That was my, my big thing. So I was like, oh, I'm just teaching the word of God. But I wasn't patiently enduring people. And I certainly wasn't correcting my opponents with gentleness. And guys, ultimately, I just want to give this caution. Some of you that consider yourself prophetic are actually verbal bullies. You heard me. You're just verbal bullies. Your main thing is, is you, you feel like you've got a right to say whatever you want to say because you say God gave it to you. Well, he may have given it to you, but you don't have the right to say it how you want to say it. You actually have to consider the person. Because that's love. And the idea that you can just stand to an individual and call them out lovelessly without kindness, without gentleness, without um, humility, and without teaching them why they're wrong in an area that you've chosen to correct, um, then you're not actually being Jesus to them. You're not. So if we're going to have this generation of prophetic people that rise up and they challenge the sins of a nation and they reform the church and God help us, we need reformation in the church. And listen, that's all I've done the whole time I've been a pastor, a lead pastor. All I've been doing is reforming the churches and the congregations that I've been allowed to pastor. That's all I do. That's what transforming truth is about. Our byline, our, our I guess our slogan is um, trends and churches deceive us, traditions enslave us, but truth transforms us. Because the trendiness of churches in you know the 1980s, 1990s, and 2000s, it's a joke. That's, that stuff just deceives us. That's not kingdom. And the traditions, the mindless, unbiblical, non-biblical traditions, those enslave us. And so all I've been trying to do is, is say for years, what does the word of God say? And reform people by the truth. That's why I took a Baptist church and reformed it to become a church that affirmed the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The tradition in my denomination, formerly Baptist, said that the gifts of the Spirit had come to a close. Well, guess what? The scriptures don't say that. The Bible never, ever says that. There's not a single verse in the Bible that says the gifts of the Spirit have stopped today. And yet we were told that. Every seminary professor that I had taught that. Every pastor and mentor I had taught that. The Bible did not teach that. So what I do? I reform the church. And unfortunately for me, in some of those days, I did not do it with the spirit of gentleness. I just did it by force because I had the Bible on my side. But I learned over time that if you'll slow down and you'll love people and help them and explain to them that God will deliver them from error rather than just standing up in a pulpit and screaming the truth at folks. 
And so if this is going to happen, if more reformation of the church, and, and listen, I don't, I don't know of a single young prophet that I'm connected to, prophetic person, preacher, teacher, witness, I, I don't know a single one that is missing the what. They're getting the content right. But I know a bunch, I mean, not like hundreds, but probably a couple of dozen, that because they're giving in to the impulses of immaturity and youth, and they're operating in the strength of their natural abilities and not the submission to the Holy Spirit, not producing the fruit of the Spirit. So what they're doing is they're going out and they're blasting their message of what's wrong. And nobody's listening to them. They have zero credibility. And they're actually saying the right thing, but they're saying it in such the wrong way that nobody can receive it because it just sounds like you're picking a fight or you're, you're griping. Or you're criticizing or bemoaning. You're not helping. I mean, anybody can walk into a messy house and say the room's dirty. But it takes some skill to figure out a plan to best clean it up and invest the time to fix the mess. There's no glory in walking into a clearly messed up house and saying, Wow, this is dirty. That's not spiritual. It's not spiritual to look at the church and say, Wow. We are messed up because, quite frankly, the 21st century Western church is messed up for the most part. A lot of junk that just doesn't have anything to do with the kingdom, doesn't have anything to do with the Lord, doesn't have anything to do with the, you know, the mission, the Great Commission. It's just a bunch of cultural garbage. But anybody can do that. And that's not being prophetic. And that's certainly not being a servant of the Lord because you're not helping anybody. We already know the church is messed up. What God is doing is saying, who can I send that will help people reform the church, reform the nation, reform individual hearts, reform the outlook and the mindset of the people of God? That's what the Lord's doing. And he says, the people that I'm going to use to do that are not going to be quarrelsome, but I'm going to use kind people, people that are kind intentionally to everybody. I'm going to use people that are able to teach, not able to shout, not able to just denounce but to actually teach why things are wrong according to the scriptures. Because it's not your volume and your opinion that will convince people. It's the word of the Lord. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And the servants that the Lord's raising up are going to patiently endure the evil. It means they're not going to get frustrated, quit, isolated, and just you know retreat and say, I'm the only one. I'm like Elijah of old. I'm the only one who hasn't sold out and bowed the knee to what is wrong. Come on, you're not that important. I'm being bold with you because, listen, this kind of mindset just needs to be confronted. And the people that God's going to be using are going to be those that correct their opponents with gentleness. You, you, we've got to hear that, man. Correcting the opposition with gentleness, with grace, with kindness. It's not about you. It's not about who believes you. It's not about how many likes or posts or followers you get on social media. This stuff is silly. It's about how do you correct your opponents so they can escape the snare of the devil as God gives them repentance as they acknowledge the truth. So what do you do if you're connected to a person who is the opposite of what I've been describing? What do you do with somebody that's convinced they've got a prophetic gift and they have no decorum, they have no kindness, they have no gentleness, they're constantly quarrelsome? I'll tell you what I do. Um, I do a lot of praying. I do challenge um, I will go in a spirit of gentleness and I'll say, hey, look, uh, you're operating in immaturity. You're operating in um, a little bit of a, a blindness to yourself and how you come off. 
and you actually have a calling and actually see God doing um, some things in your life, but he can't really use you right now. He's not going to entrust you with people because you don't treat them the way that he would, he would treat them. So you, you need to think about what you're doing. And then I pray for him. And then quite honestly, you know, I just let God work on them. And I try to love that person and stay available. And, you know, um, if, if there's an open door to pour into their lives, but oftentimes one of the, the downfalls of having uh, that kind of mindset and that kind of prophetic boldness without kindness is that when they're challenged, when you do to them what they're doing to everybody else, they withdraw, they isolate, they sulk. And they, they, they want to defend their right to continue to be impatient, unkind, quarrelsome, and not able to teach and reform, but they just want the right to say whatever they want to say the way that they want to say it. And there's nothing really you can do for a person like that except just to operate with them. You don't have to engage in their quarrelsome stuff. You don't, you know, you're not obligated to enter into a debate with anybody. I love to ex- just excuse myself from debates. It's not because I don't have answers. It's because there are just some people that are, um, you know, convinced that they're always right and nobody's going to challenge them. And those are the kind of people I tell you what happens. God doesn't use them. They get more and more frustrated. And if they're truly seeking the heart of God, God humbles them greatly. That's what he did to me. So I'm not speaking because I read it in a book. I'm speaking because I went through it. I'm telling you, God will put you up on a shelf until you are determined, just as determined to deliver the message of God. You have to be just as determined to deliver it the way God himself delivers it. And he says right there in 2 Timothy chapter number 2 that he he doesn't call servants to quarrel. He doesn't call servants to be unkind. He doesn't endorse our impatience. He doesn't overlook our unwillingness to know how to teach people. And he wants us to instruct in meekness those that are in opposition. So that through that instruction and their acknowledging of the truth, they can be set free from whatever era it is that God has raised us up to confront. So that was a very... um, I hope clear presentation of second Timothy chapter two. And I hope that you'll listen to it and listen. I don't want to steal anybody's fire, but an out of control fire doesn't bring God glory. We need a flame, not a, um, we don't need a forest fire, a wildfire that burns up things indiscriminately. We need a very intentional focused flame. And I pray that God will release that to you. And then he'll release it for you. We'll talk to you next time. Have you gotten a copy of Jeff's book? His autobiography, titled Figuring It Out As I Go, shares Jeff's journey from being abandoned at childhood to journeying through the maze of addiction as a teen and young adult, into his supernatural deliverance at the age of 24, and then into the fascinating pilgrimage into the depths of the Holy Spirit. Order your copy today at jefflyle.com or anywhere online where you buy books. You can also hear Jeff narrate the book by ordering an audio copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at audible.com.